0: We've launched a merch campaign with 100% of proceeds going to the National Network of Abortion Funds. You can find a link to Listen to Women on LWC Studios' Twitter, at LWC Studios. Buy a t-shirt, wear it to your next hang to go to a live podcast show and on the way to the polls. And tell a friend. Thanks. 70 million adults in the United States have a criminal record. This is Season 2 of 70 Million, an open-source podcast about how people, neighborhoods, counties, and cities are breaking cycles of incarceration, starting with the local jail. I'm your host, Mitzi Miller. So I got to experience the uncomfortability of just being stuffed in a cage and all. That was real scary. We're keeping people down there with rats, roaches. They got black mold. And we spend $16 million on it every year. We eliminated cash bail bonds in the city of Atlanta.
1: There is no one who's been incarcerated, including myself, who has been helped by incarceration.
0: Southern Colorado is known for its natural beauty. Snow-capped mountains, red sandstone, and wide-open spaces. Small towns pop up between long stretches of two-lane roads. But this sprawling landscape has a hidden overcrowding problem in its jails. Colorado's not alone in this. Nationwide rural jail populations are growing at a faster rate than those in urban areas. County sheriffs across the United States have been grappling with this crisis for years trying to figure out why their jails are over capacity and what to do about it. Reporter Lane Kaplan-Levinson brings us a tale of two Colorado sheriffs meeting this rural jail crisis head on.
2: Alamosa is a small town. Everywhere you look, you're surrounded by snow-capped mountains, the bases of which are blanketed with massive sand dunes. If you're new to the place, you feel the altitude. A few bars and restaurants, a coffee shop, and a bookstore dot Main Street. And down the road, there's a fair share of fast food joints, department stores, and motels. It's the commercial hub of the rural, and at times remote, San Luis Valley. I don't waste any time once I get to town. I head straight to the sheriff.
1: My name is Robert Jackson. I'm the Alamosa County Colorado Sheriff. And we're here in Alamosa, Colorado. The land of cool sunshine.
2: It's not a typical place, and... I don't think I'm your typical sheriff. One of the first things I learn in Sheriff Bob Jackson's office is that his nickname is Pineapple.
1: They were saying, Pineapple, Pineapple, Uh, Pineapple, on the radio. So that was my code. (sighs) My secret code name was Pineapple.
2: He didn't get it at first, but then realized his deputies were making a pot reference. And Jackson, one of the only Democratic sheriffs in the state, is pretty lax about marijuana.
1: I really don't care if one of my guys smokes a dube on Friday night and comes to work Monday and he's sober. I don't really care, that's none of my business. Not against the law here.
2: Jackson is small in stature, but in great shape for someone who just celebrated his 70th birthday. He's got a goofy grin that often comes with a chuckle. Like when he talks about how many New Yorkers his officers have to go rescue after they ignorantly try to climb one of the county's many 14,000 foot mountains.
1: We go get him, (laughs) brutal.
2: The guy's kind of an open book. Being in his office is like jumping inside a life-size diorama of his high school diary. School degrees, movie posters, photographs, all line the walls. On a big conference table sits a blueprint of the county jail, which is right on the other side of his office. He's also an open book when it comes to that, his jail.
1: So when we first walk in, we're gonna walk into the part still under construction.
2: Jackson leads me through a heavy door into the Alamosa County Jail, a ranch-style building that spreads out wide instead of tall. Inmates sit in cells and common rooms. A tinted glass wall separates us as I peer from the hallway into their space. We can see them, but they can barely see us. This is a brand new wing of the jail, very clean and bright. The original building is about to complete a major renovation, including expanding it to roughly three times the size. Being in a small town, the jail was small to begin with.
1: Yeah, it was originally designed and built for 48, and there was, we put triple bunks in here. We, we're stacking them in
2: here. Sheriff so Jackson walks me into a tight space with bunk beds on each side, a tightrope of a walkway in between. When the jail was over capacity, inmates were sleeping three to a bunk, putting a third person on the very top, just inches from the ceiling. A lot of times they went, oh, no, I'm not sleeping up there, and we find them underneath the bed. Jackson was elected sheriff in 2014, after 31 years in law enforcement. At that time, Alamosa's jail population was hovering between 70 to 80 people, just under capacity. But when his term started in 2015...
1: I mean, I walked in here going, "Oh crap.
2: In almost the blink of an eye, the jail population went through the roof.
1: We went from 75, 80, probably, to um, 170 inmates, like, really quick. No no place to put them.
2: Roughly 30% of people in Alamosa live below the poverty line. For comparison, that's twice the rate of Denver County. Folks here work jobs either in the potato and mushroom fields or the local stores. Many, if not most, are either working paycheck to paycheck or in and out of having a job at all.
3: What are the reasons that people are getting arrested here? It's all over the map. I mean, drugs, drugs are huge here. There's, there's
2: this is Jamie Kearns, the head of the Alamosa
3: Public Defender's Office. There's certainly an opioid crisis in the Valley. I think there is in, everywhere in the country, it seems, but it's, it's really pronounced here. The San Luis Valley
2: has the highest rates of drug overdose deaths in the state, and those numbers have increased significantly in the past decade, which corresponds to a spike in drug charges. Since 2012, drug felony charges have more than doubled in Colorado. In Alamosa, they more than tripled. And when Sheriff Bob Jackson's jail population spiked in 2014...
1: My people tell me 92% of that intake was
2: heroin addicts. To make matters worse, there's no public rehab center. So where do people end up? The jail. Jamie Kerns says it's the same story with mental
3: health we don't have places where you can take mentally ill folks and get them treatment and get them help, you know, paid for by the state, so we've replaced that with jail. According to a
2: 2019 report from advocacy group Mental Health America, about 20% of the state's adult population, over 800,000 people, is living with some kind of mental health condition. Over half aren't being treated for that illness. And with the lack of treatment centers, they end up in hospital emergency rooms or, as Sheriff Jackson knows, jails.
1: We know, we're kind of the, you know, dumping ground for people. Nobody knows what to do. And put them in the jail and let us deal with them. Not okay.
2: Jackson says that's a huge part of why so many of his beds are full. And that oftentimes drug addiction and mental health issues are intertwined.
1: People are suicidal as hell when they're detoxing. Scary. We got a guy that was eating toothbrushes, pencils. (laughs) Want to record this? Ate a spoon, pooped it out, ate it again, right on camera in front of our guys. And mental health said he wasn't a danger to himself or others.
2: Because they don't want to take him.
1: Where are they gonna put him? They're full. They're full.
2: After the facility tour, I was back in Sheriff Jackson's office looking at younger versions of him up on his wall.
1: That would have been about 85
2: or 86. We didn't even have bulletproof profess. It's fun to pick him out in all these photos, but the more I looked, the more I started recognizing someone else.
1: Have you interviewed Kirk Taylor yet? There he is right there. This is taken in 1992. So he's a city cop. And standing right next to him is me
2: kirk taylor jackson's old patrol partner there's pictures of them posing in front of their patrol car it looks like something not a risky business remember that movie pictures of them dressed up at weddings dressed down on vacation
1: he and i go to the mountains every summer on horseback and every year he says just me and you this year and we're not taking know it. it's always you always bring somebody and they're always painting their ass you know and
4: he guy's kind of creepy. You know? I'm, a, I'm afraid to get up in the mountains alone with him. This
2: is Kirk Taylor. Might eat me or something. <laughs> Kirk Taylor is the sheriff of Pueblo, Colorado, or as he calls it... Pueblo, America. Sheriff Taylor is not just an old patrol partner. He's Sheriff Jackson's best friend.
4: We kind of have a bromance going on. I, I got to be honest with you.
2: Two besties who have their differences...
4: Usually I, I take his advice to heart
1: and do the opposite, and I'll come up fine.
2: Take pot. Sheriff Jackson is all for legalization. But Sheriff Taylor?
1: He is anti-marijuana. He calls it the devil's
4: lettuce.
2: But there's one major thing they do have in common, crowded jails. Here's Pueblo Sheriff Kirk Taylor.
4: We are the most overcrowded in the state, so you never want to be first, but we're number one.
2: Pueblo's a mid-sized city and a lot larger than Alamosa. Another difference between the two places is their recent political diversion. In 2012, both conservative Democratic counties voted for Obama. In 2016, Alamosa voted for Hillary Clinton, and Pueblo voted for Donald Trump. But these places have plenty in common, too. Pueblo also has a huge opioid problem, and a lot of people here are poor and unemployed. It's an old steel town, and most people used to work at the big mill. Now it's the Evraz North America steel mill. But over the past decade, the mill started slashing jobs, which helps to explain why Pueblo's unemployment rate is nearly 50% higher than the state's as a whole. And so just like in Alamosa, this combination of poverty and drugs has resulted in more people finding themselves behind bars. The Friday that I visited the jail.
4: It looks like it's about 653, but we'll break 700 by this weekend.
2: The Pueblo County Jail is a five-story tower with 509 beds. It's hot and stuffy. It doesn't smell good, like old food and filthy clothes. The fluorescent lighting makes it too bright, unless the bulbs are out, in which case it's too dark. I walk through the halls and look through a glass window into a pod. Each pod has a main common space, with rooms lining the perimeter. Those rooms are meant for one person, but have three people crammed in there. And out in the common area, there are a whole bunch of what they call boats—a boat, pretty
4: much a cot. Ca- a cot as you just lift you off the ground. You stay off the ground and put a, put your uh, mattress on top of it.
2: Jeffrey Sice has been living out of one of these boats for two weeks. It's a bed, literally in the common space, just a few inches off the floor. His towel and toiletries, photographs, and other personal belongings are lined up on the floor next to the plastic bed frame. When I meet him, he's sitting cross legged in his boat, writing a letter to his girlfriend.
4: And uh, it's just for being overcrowded, there are no rooms inside the base for the rest of us out here. And you can see there's probably like eight of us out here on boats.
2: So it's, just, it's not good, you know what I'm saying? It's not good because, I don't know, it's cold out here and loud it's all the time. I see a lot in the Pueblo jail in a short amount of time. Right before I get there, two rival gangs get into a big confrontation. Then within the first 10 minutes of walking through one of the women's dorms, I see a woman spasm onto the floor as guards rush towards her. Captain Shelley Bryant, who's showing me around, tells me the woman is having a seizure. This is what happens a lot of times when inmates are having really bad withdrawals. They have seizures, whether it's alcohol, drugs. Um, this is pretty commonplace uh, for males and females in the building, to be honest with you. And then I hear about the flooding.
0: All right, 416, 417,
2: override. The jail's not just overcrowded, it's old. And after decades of neglect, it's literally falling apart. It was like a lake. I mean, there was so much water in there. I mean, it was just flooded. Nathan Hawkins was assigned to a cell on the top floor of the jail. There were really bad rains the week before I visited, and his pod flooded badly. We're, we're at risk if this collapses, we're, we're pretty much dead. Each one of these beams weighs at least 20, 20 tons. Do you worry about that? I do worry about it, as a matter of fact. I'm worried about all this part of the, the the wing collapsing. There's too much water when it floods, but at the same time, Nathan can hardly get any out of his sink. I look over and see water dribbling out of the faucet. He tells me that's the most pressure he can get.
4: You know, our gel is not a, a livable condition. We're not animals, we're, it's we're, we're humans, we're humans, you know.
2: Pueblo Sheriff Kirk Taylor thinks he knows the main reason he's got 200 more people than beds in his jail.
4: I think the legislature has a lot of responsibility on what's happening now.
2: Taylor says that statewide efforts to decarcerate prisons are having a negative impact on local jails. For instance, a recent piece of state legislation that downgrades numerous drug felonies to misdemeanors. Well,
4: in theory, that sounds great, right? But what that means is once they drop them to misdemeanors, you can't go to DOC for a misdemeanor. DOC is state prison. So where is the only place you can be incarcerated should they convict you of that misdemeanor that was just downgraded? County jails. Because I hear it from the state all the time. They're like, oh, well, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're dropping our numbers in the, in the prisons. Well, yeah, well, guess what? They're coming to
2: the local jails. People that don't agree with everything Sheriff Taylor says do agree with this give and take, like the Pueblo public defender, Albie Singleton.
5: There has been reform, but there's still more people, you know, just as many, if not more people in jail.
2: I meet Singleton at the Pueblo Public Defender's Office, located in the historic red brick Union Depot building, what used to be a railroad station. He gets going before we're even fully seated at the table.
5: There are so many behaviors that are criminalized. There's so many things that are crimes. Uh, we have so many laws that criminalize kind of trivial behavior, there's so many dumb cases that are filed.
2: Like what, I ask?
5: Uh, Okay, you're asked by a police officer what your name is, and you say two words that aren't the truth. You're charged with a class six felony. We have clients that are sitting in jail for that. You go in to pawn something, and you do not put the accurate amount of time that you have owned an item that you have pawned. That's a felony. Singleton prefers to make the overcrowding
2: issue as simple as possible. He says more and more people are cooped up in jail because the system is designed to put them there.
5: There is, on both sides of the aisle in America, a very healthy appetite for one thing, and that's punishment. It doesn't matter whether you're wearing a red tie or a blue tie. There are people on, on both ends of that spectrum that love that. And that's something that definitely impacts everybody that's charged with the crime.
2: As we're talking, I look over at a large framed photo on the wall and see a familiar face.
5: Oh yeah, you see Jamie in there? She, well, she used to work here.
2: Jamie Kearns, head of the Alamosa Public Defender's Office. She used to work with Alby Singleton in Pueblo. Small world, man. Back in Alamosa, Public Defender Jamie Kearns says the overcrowding can also be traced
3: to another part of the system. The cash bond system in general i really hope that in 50 years we're looking back at this and thinking what
2: on earth were we doing the cash bond system aka bail she says cash bond as a way to get out of jail doesn't
3: work in a place where people don't have cash i think it's hard for a lot of folks who don't live in poverty to understand that level of poverty like there's no one in your life that you could ask for 250 dollars where you know folks that don't live in poverty have probably 100 people they might be able to ask who would come up for 250 dollars for them
2: But if you can't pay bail, you sit in jail. And you could be there for a while. In rural places like Alamosa, judges work part time. If someone gets arrested on a Tuesday, let's say they were driving without a license, that's a big one in Alamosa. They might not see the judge until the following Tuesday. So they wait, behind bars, unable to work or take care of family. And Jamie says this can send someone's life into a downward
3: spiral real quick. It just completely destabilizes people that are already struggling to make ends meet for no purpose. 80% of the people in Alamosa County Jail
2: are pre-trial, meaning they haven't been found guilty of anything. I mean, that number should just
3: make people want to tear their hair out.
2: In Alamosa in 2017, Sheriff Jackson was tearing his hair out. The jail was 140% over capacity, and things were getting out of control. That year, a woman gave birth alone in a cell without any medical assistance. There was a scabies outbreak, and people were literally sleeping on top of one another. Jackson decided the solution was to build a bigger jail, and to do that, he needed a campaign.
1: We did 25 community meetings. We talked about our overpopulation. We talked about the safety of them citizens, you know, sooner or later, people are going to start escaping. And we had like three escapes, you know, in three years, you know, and it was all based on overpopulation and, you know, deputies stretched too thin. So I told them it was about their safety. I told them it was about the safety of the people that work in here, you know, and it's not really okay to have people incarcerated and living in these conditions.
2: The ask was a one-cent sales tax referendum that would pay for a new courthouse and a new jail that housed an additional 64 beds. And it worked. Alamosa went for it.
1: They believed me. They believed me that this was inhumane. We need to fix this. We need to make it safer. We don't mind paying a penny more sales tax to do that.
2: The new jail is safer now.
1: We didn't even have sprinklers in our old system. If we would have had a fire in there when we first took over, we would have lost half of our inmates.
2: Along with a sprinkler system, there's now a state-of-the-art kitchen, padded holding cells, a staff nurse for the first time. And when the expansion project is complete, there will be 160 beds. The thing is, when I visited, there were only 74 people in the jail.
1: Our numbers are down. Thank goodness our numbers. We don't know why less people are being arrested and we don't know
2: why. Well, he has some idea.
1: Mainly it's the LEAD program.
2: LEAD, Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion, is a program that works if and only if people do things they don't usually do and collaborate with people they don't usually collaborate with. It focuses on drug offenders. Instead of arresting them, police officers are supposed to call LEAD, who come to the scene and take over.
1: You know, when I was a new cop and we caught somebody with heroin, oh, my God, you're going to prison. But nowadays, uh, we are training them to be a little bit more understanding, a little bit warmer and fuzzier, and it's hard for cops. You've been around cops? Mm, You know, most of them kind of old school, you know, and hardcore. So we're training them to be aware of this stuff and, and have more options. You don't absolutely have to arrest a guy with heroin and put him in jail.
2: So LEAD has diverted people from the jail and brought its population down. And there's something else Alamosa has going for them. The Center for Restorative Programs, or CRP. It's a nonprofit that runs restorative justice programs like community mediation and victim-offender reconciliation. Historically, CRP only worked with youth. But in the past few years, it started doing restorative justice circles and other jail diversion programs with adults, too really simple initiatives that CRP has advocated for have also been really effective, like the new automated calls that alert clients to their upcoming court dates. So yeah, the jail expansion passed, but that's not what's fixed the overcrowding problem. Fewer arrests means fewer people in jail. Public defender Jamie
3: Kearns says she's not against improving jail conditions. I don't think there's anything wrong with jails being very nice facilities. I mean, I, I think they should be because we're, we're choosing to lock up our fellow citizens and our fellow human beings in cages.
2: But, she says, it's really the collaboration between the judges, the DA, the public defender, law enforcement,
3: and non-governmental agencies like CRP that's driving a deeper change. I'm sorry that we built this nice new facility when maybe we're on a trajectory to start changing that can just be a relic someday that people can go watch and see what were we thinking? <laughs> what were we doing?
2: <laughs> Back in Pueblo, Sheriff Taylor is trying to build exactly what Jamie Kearns' sorry Alamosa now has, a nice new jail. In 2015, the sheriff asked the people of Pueblo to pass a sales tax to fund a bigger jail. of Pueblo voters said no. So in 2017, in even deeper dire straits, Taylor went back to the voters again.
4: Yeah, and they rejected both.
2: To get a sense of why, I went down to the Pueblo Courthouse, a brand spanking new building that really sticks out in town. Most of Pueblo looks like the old gritty rundown steel mill, but the new courthouse would fit in in midtown Manhattan with a facade made of sleek metal panels and tall glass windows that wrap around its five stories. I met Jennifer in the parking lot as she was walking back to her car after a court hearing. She didn't want to share her last name, but she was happy to tell me why she voted against the new jail.
3: Why? Because I think that money would be better served to go for, like, rehabilitation or better programs to keep these people out of jail instead of expanding it and, you know, housing more people in jail.
2: Because that's not a solution, that's just... You know, it's not helping anybody. That's the problem. Have you ever had to spend time in the county jail?
1: 21 days, yeah. I hated it.
2: That's George, who was picking up his wife, Cindy, from the courthouse. She was just walking out when he and I started talking. They also didn't want to share their last names. I don't like Pueblo Jail. If you go to any other jail, I think it's cool, but not that one. Yeah, I'd rather be in prison than to be in that ugly county.
1: That's why I don't understand these people that vote, why they don't vote for a bigger jail, you know what I mean? I don't understand that.
2: George and Cindy would have voted to expand the jail for the sake of the people that are cooped up in there, but they didn't vote. There was one more place I figured I should go to get people's unfiltered opinions. How did you find No, You need to put this on tape. How the hell did you find Isler's bar? I meet Vic Plut at his neighborhood bar, Eiler's Place. He's drinking a beer with a lime and an olive in it, and he tells me it's a Slovenian thing. Anyway, I ask him how he voted on Sheriff Taylor's proposal to fund the jail expansion.
4: No, never vote for Jack's increase.
1: I don't care what it is for. They've wasted enough of our money.
2: I heard that a lot. People didn't want to pay for the jail, not necessarily because they're against jail expansion, they're just straight up against taxes. I vote on
4: any tax increase. I was the county assessor. You never vote for a tax increase. They put it on, but they never take it off.
2: I had no idea I was talking to a retired city employee, but it was people like Vic and Jennifer, two people voting against the sales tax for two totally different reasons, that left Sheriff Taylor empty-handed when he tried in 2015 and again in 2017. Now he's planning his third ask. His new funding plan, a tax on pot, or as he puts it, the devil's lettuce. So your new jail's gonna come from the devil's lettuce. There you go, there you go. Measure 1B would increase the retail sales tax of marijuana by 2.5% and reduce the excise tax by 2%. But even that can't fund the new jail on its own. Taylor is also proposing measure 1A, a slightly less than half-cent sales and use tax that would raise enough money over 30 years to pay for a new jail. The sheriff's hoping these two measures will allow him to build a jail almost twice the current size, 950 beds. Do you think people are going to go for it this time?
4: I do. I'm cautiously optimistic that once we roll out this formula that we're going to present to them, that they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be okay with it. He says it's not a want, it's a need. I have high-risk inmates in a dormitory setting, unheard of. It's a perfect storm. So just with that, your incidents increase. Your inmate on inmate assaults, your inmate on officer assaults, all these things. Uh, Damage to the facility increases, all these things increase. So not only am I overcrowded by a ton, my physical plant is not conducive to hold what I am now holding.
2: In the past few years, there have been lawsuits filed against jail officials for alleged medical neglect and assault of inmates. One law firm wrote that, quote, conditions at the Pueblo jail are deplorable, end quote. Sheriff Taylor himself has said in the past that a large lawsuit is pretty much unavoidable if things don't change. And he says he hears critics who say building a new jail isn't solving the right problem.
4: I mean, this is the system that we have. And, uh, well, you know, I'm sorry we have to have jails, but we do. He says he's just trying to do his job. It's not my jail. I say, you know, Sheriff, sorry we didn't get your jail. Look, it's not my jail. It's our, it's our jail. It's a community jail, right? And so our only job is to hold the community accountable to a set of rules that have been designated by our representatives. And uh, the criminal justice system needs to work. Well, the foundational piece of a criminal justice system is a jail that's what our whole system is based upon. Now, if they wanna change the whole system, change the whole system. I'll learn it and I'll run for sheriff, right? Uh, but currently, I mean, that's our system of government. And so I'm doing
2: my job. So I don't know, I don't have all the answers. He'll have one answer come November, when the proposition to fund a new jail
0: comes up for a vote once again. Lane Kaplan Levinson is a radio producer based in Washington, D.C. Special thanks to Becca Curry, Andrew Meeker, and our media partners, the Vera Institute for Justice. 70 Million is an open source podcast. So we invite you to use our episodes, transcripts, syllabi, and episode toolkits in your classrooms, organizations, and anywhere you find them helpful. You may rebroadcast parts of or entire episodes without permission. Just please drop us a line so we can keep track. We'd love to hear about reform efforts in your communities. So please email us at hello at 70millionpod.com. And if you're an audio reporter or producer, we'd love to hear your ideas for season three. For more on how to pitch us your story, visit 70millionpod.com, where you can also find episode toolkits and transcripts for the first two seasons of the podcast. 70 Million is made possible by a grant from the Safety and Justice Challenge at the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. This podcast is a production of Lantigua Williams & Co. It's edited by Jen Chien and Casey Miner and mixed by Luis Gill. Our associate producers are Adiza Egan and Cher Vincent. Our marketing specialist is Kate Croshell. Our staff writer is Nissa Ree. Our intern is Emma Forbes. And our fact checker is Sarah McClure. Juleka Lentigo-Williams is the creator and executive producer. I'm your host, Mitzi Miller.